Jersey is the world. Hi everybody, Chris Gethard here. Welcome to New Jersey is the world. As always, it's an honor and a joy to bring you this celebration of the much maligned Garden State. Uh, before we talk about this week's episode, you know, just the quick reminders. We got t-shirts at belowthecollar.com slash chrisgethard. We got the Patreon over at patreon.com slash New Jersey is the world. And uh, we just put out an episode of Garden State Got Boots. That's the one where we all listen to your voicemails and react to them. And it went in many different directions that were unexpected and hilarious. And man, I love doing that. Thanks to everybody who signed up over at the Patreon. And uh, leaves comments over there. It's a fun little community. If you're so inclined, think about joining up. Now, a few weeks ago, we did an, uh, a food review episode. Don reviewed Secret Pizza in LA, a place that's it's caught a bunch of buzz out in Los Angeles for specifically being North Jersey-style pizza in LA, and everybody's been flipping out. And we reviewed it, and we had a lot of great things to say. I had some critiques of topping choices, and I'll tell you what, we put that episode out, and like... Within hours, I started getting texts from a bunch of friends that were like, yo, I know this guy. Like, you and he are both tight. Like, he and I run in the same circles, it, it turns out. So we all had a good laugh about that. It also opened the door to a conversation. So happy to bring you an interview with Sean from Secret Pizza out in Los Angeles, California. Get to talk to him about what it's like being a New Jersey ambassador, having to carry the mantle of this state. He gets to defend putting jalapeno peppers on pizza. I put the screws to him. I'm not just going to talk behind his back. And we talk about Verona and mental hospitals and all sorts of stuff that makes you realize this guy's really out there uh, waving the banner of New Jersey in a great way. And we're, uh, we're lucky to be friends with him. And for all of our displaced New Jersey people who can't access their pizza on a regular basis, know that if you're in Southern California, there's one guy out there. He's got your back. So support Sean, support Secret Pizza, and enjoy the interview. I've officially started recording so everybody knows. Uh, we're here with none other than the mystery pizza man of Los Angeles. <laughs> Some of that is because you named your... Establishment Secret Pizza, Sean Lango. Uh, I think maybe the first time that we've we've reviewed something food wise. Have we ever gone back and then talked to the people we reviewed on? I mean, not, not those crumb cake guys. Those guys would be out. They would they'd be out for blood. Um, I don't think we were too harsh on them. On the crumb cake people? Yeah, we were okay, right? You literally screamed about funfetti crumb well, cake. Well, there was one in aspect, rage, in a rage. one aspect of a flavor that I just didn't understand, and I had it, and it was okay. But I gave them glowing reviews for some other flavors. Okay, so everyone, fucking Chris, back off. Chris came back from Scotland, and he called me and said that when he went into his bedroom and he hadn't been there for a month, on his pillow there was a burning funfetti crumb cake. That's how he left there. <laughs> It was. It was just it caramelized was. sugar. That was all. <laughs> yeah, but I somehow knew. I somehow knew it was not just crumb cake, but confetti <laughs> crumb cake. Luckily, Sean. Luckily, we gave you a glowing review. Don was very impressed. Oh, um, man, so how good. does it? How does it feel to be to? Because one thing I'll say right away is I I found out immediately upon posting the interview that you and I have a ton of mutual friends. It turns out. Mm-hmm. Um, I got I got messages from Pat Byrne, who I know mm-hmm. through both my Brett Davis and Tom Sharpling connections. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Our friend Nick Fierro, who's kind of like an unofficial member of this crew. Like we've been doing these live shows in Asbury Park, and Nick keeps coming down and doing bits on them. Nick immediately is texting me like, "Oh, this makes total sense." <laughs> so we have a ton of mutual friends. H- how does it feel to wake up and say like, "Oh, there's people from New Jersey who have um, surreptitiously scouted me and are, are now discussing it publicly." <laughs> Uh, it feels great. I would want it no other way. <laughs> um, I, I, I'm going to say this. I, I said it on the episode. I said if we ever had the chance to talk, I was going to put to the screws to you on one thing because we have a lot to talk about. Sure, sure. Pizza-wise, Essex County-wise, what's going on with these jalapenos? What's going on with them, man? You All knew right, I was going to go there. Listen, yeah. I said I was going to go there. Let's just get it out of the yeah, way. No, no, no. We should. And, and to answer your question, I want to first start by saying... That when when Secret Pizza was first born, um, that was uh, like September of 2020, 
Um, and I, and I started selling my first pizzas out of my apartment here in Los Angeles. Uh, there were two options. There was plain, there was pepperoni. And if you want to get technical, you could do a half and half. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was it for a while. And I have actually reverted to that on a few times. There'll just, I'll just be like, guess what? There's no toppings this week besides pepperoni or occasionally I'll host what I call plain night. (laughs) <laughs> which is plain pies only. And it's just my way of forcing plain pies on the people of Los Angeles. And also it kind of, I'll usually use it when I'm like going to ramp up and do more pizzas than I'm used to. And it just makes it a little easier on myself and, you know, kind of a two birds with one stone. Um, so for the first few months, uh, the only option for a topping was pepperoni. And right around the beginning of 2021, I started to do like a featured topping. So I think mushrooms was probably like the first one. Makes sense. And then um, I remember I did black olives, which I don't personally enjoy black olives, um, but like people wanted it. And I was like, sure, I'll do it a couple times. And um and I did like a sausage pepper onions kind of thing. Not not these were just green bell peppers. They were uh they were not jalapenos. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Oh, meatballs. There's a guy who was doing um, fresh Makes pastas out of his house. Makes total sense. Meatballs, and he yeah. Made, yeah, yeah, it was great. So, you know, periodically, um, not necessarily to take the suggestions, I'll admit, but just to see what, was intre- what people's interests were, I would um, put up a little Instagram question that said, like, you know, what toppings do you want to see? And, um, every time lots of people (laughs) chiming in with jalapenos and like the thing is there were two, there were two, uh, camps in the jalapenos. There were the people who just said jalapenos and then there were the people who said pickled jalapenos, which I've never actually eaten a pickled jalapeno. Uh, it's, it's not something it's, it's not like something you grow up seeing a lot in New Jersey and, uh, you certainly never see it on pizza. Uh, you know, no jalapenos of any kind. But anyway, one night I I was baking at home. I finished. There's a grocery street directly across the street from me. And I was like, all right, I'm just going to go buy a couple jalapenos, throw it on a pizza tonight and just see what I think. Um, and the, the verdict that night was I was impressed because it kept the pepper flavor more than I thought. I thought it was going to be mostly just heat not a lot of pepper flavor. But as it turned out, I was like, you know what? I actually kind of like this. I'll do it for the people. I, you know, if I, if I like it, I'll put it on the pizza. So, um, I started offering it and it stuck on the menu mostly just because it's a really easy thing to prep. You know, you just slice up some peppers and you're done, (laughs) you know, (laughs) that's it. So, um, there's really not much to it besides that. I, I realize <laughs> okay. it's uh, <laughs> okay. It was very divisive for me personally. Well, I, I, my guess was like, oh, it's an homage to like California, and but it, it I guess it did <laughs> yeah, it stem is, from that because people out here were like, oh, jalapeno, you got to throw jalapenos on pizza. Where we're we're like, why would you ever fucking do that? Right. But, right. I mean, my reaction yeah. was the same. It was like I've never even thought of that. Like it never even occurred to me to do that. Um, but like it was clearly. You know, I mean, it was maybe the most requested topping when I would ask. So, yeah, it is kind of uh, a tribute to the the local pizza culture. There's also this like trend of like blistered shishito peppers on pretty much every fucking menu if it is seasonal, a seasonal dish. And they're delicious. It just seems to be like every restaurant kind of doing, oh, blistered. There is something delicious about them, though. So I could see I haven't had jalapenos on a pizza, but. I have had blistered shishitos. Uh, there's something about the charred pepper flavor, as we know mm-hmm. from like sauce and peppers and stuff, but mm-hmm. there's something about the charred flavor uh, of a pepper uh, yeah, yeah. That, that brings out that, I guess what you were saying, like keeps that pepper flavor. And it's a good combo. If you like peppers on your pizza, you're going to like it. Yeah. It is almost a plague though. I've noticed going out <laughs> to Northern California for work is not only did every restaurant have shishito peppers. I actually was at like a, 
uh, whatever the forget whatever the big supermarket chain is out there. And in the little takeaway section, you could literally buy a small plastic container of already charred shishito peppers. I was like, am I supposed to bring these back to my hotel and eat them like like fruit? I mean, that was the oddest thing. I thought. Yeah, like some grapes. I gotta say, I'll just say this: my my final peppers. Listen, Sean, you're a very nice guy. You're taking time out to talk with us, mutual friends. Also, come to understand, I think you play with Mike Kroll, true? That's right. Yeah, and I've Mike, been playing with Mike uh, since 2015. So, and, and Mike was kind enough to let me put, uh, for anybody who watched my last special, Half My Life, there's this footage of me and my friend Carmen Christopher riding scooters around Asbury Park, set to Neighborhood Watch, a song I'm sure you've now played a million times. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there's all sorts of crossovers. You're a good person, and I get the sense you're one of us. So I'm just going to say, do, do I think jalapenos on pizza is a, is a little bit of bullshit? Sure. But <laughs> the idea that people are willing to pay you money for it, and you're out here hustling, and if the people want to pay you money for it, you'll take their money, that's about as Jersey as it gets. So I'm back on board. I'm back on board. In terms of the hustle and the grind, um, I love that. Now, the same week we, uh, we reviewed you... Um, I think we recorded our review, and then just before we put it out, I think it was the Los Angeles Times has proclaimed you the best new pizza in Los Angeles, which must have changed your life a a lot. How are you holding up? Is this a good thing or a bad thing, ultimately? Uh, Ultimately, this is a good thing. Um, That review came out just immediately before I got covid which was timing. yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, Kitchen's closed. <laughs> yeah, I was gearing up to do my biggest week, mo- more pizzas than I had ever done before. I had all the orders filled. Like everyone paid and was like excited, and then I have to be like, "Hey, everybody who just got excited <laughs> about this, I can't make pizza." And not only that, it got postponed a second week just because I had COVID for like twelve days straight. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's. It's, it's kind of funny because when I was doing it out of my house, I could only do, I mean, the max I ever did was like 30 pies in a night out of my Jesus. home oven. Um, but a typical night was more like 20. And um, it's, it's not a surprise that 20 pies can sell out pretty quickly. You know, it's like, it's just not that many pizzas. Um, so I noticed that in the early days, it might take, you know, a day or two to sell out. And then... Um, the guy who was making my uh, meatballs for my meatball pizza, um, he's also a, uh, you know, he, he's many things. Great cook. Uh, he does comedy. He does uh, some food writing. He, um, he wrote a piece for LA Magazine interviewing me, talking to me about, you know, what I'm doing at home, making pizza. And when that came out, then the 20 pies would sell out in like, a minute or yeah. 10 minutes or, you know, yeah. whatever. I truly and, really um, could not get a pie for a long time. I was, <laughs> yeah. and I was trying, I was trying. Yeah. They, they yeah. yeah. Immediately. You did have to get there right away. And then it kind of, uh, when I got into this new, uh, kitchen space with the proper pizza oven and a, an actual mixer, not mixing dough by hand, um, it slowed down again. People could order over a couple days. It wouldn't sell out immediately. I have a feeling that the, the the biggest change in my life is that the LA Times article kind of puts me back into that that place that I was after Danny Palumbo's article, where it was just like, now I can't, you know, now now I can't get a pizza. They sell out too quickly, and you know, I get a lot of DMs from frustrated people who oh, maybe Jesus. you know didn't didn't set their alarms in time or whatever. <laughs> and how are you balancing the fact that, I mean, this started as something from your home. This started as something, you know, 20 pies a night, a couple nights a week. Mm-hmm. I have to imagine this is not something that feasibly is going to pay your rent, but now it seems like it could be. How are you balancing the, uh, the punk rocker life with the pizza maker life? Cause if you're, you know, if you're expected to work every weekend, how are you also supposed to go out on the road? I feel like this this must be a a blessing and also a lot of logis- a lot of logistical conversations in your life happening. Yeah, that's a good <laughs> question. Um, I guess part of it is I will. So, for those who don't know, I'm working this pizza business currently. Um, it, it is a full on shop now. It's not, you know, an apartment kitchen. It's a, it's an actual restaurant. Um, but the, 
the way that I'm currently working to maintain my flexibility is I'm doing everything by myself. So I'm in there, <laughs> you know, I'm in there six days a week. I do three days of prep and three days of baking. And obviously you can't go on the road if you're doing that. Um, it's, it's hard to know at this early stage when I'm still just like barely know what a restaurant is. Like I'd never worked in a restaurant before this and, and everything. Um, but it does seem like there's an avenue forward where um, if, I, if I'm able to sustain the business working alone, then I would also have the flexibility to take some time off. And maybe that's not, um, you know, going on tour for three months straight, but um, shorter stints of shows I think would be very doable. And uh, as things develop and grow with the business, I could see paths forward that would allow me to have that flexibility to, uh, you know, have my, have my rock and roll life and have my, uh, pizza life too. That would be the dream. If you can balance those two things, if you can balance, I'm going to go out with a merge, merge records, recording artist, Mike crawl. We're going to throw down with these, uh, (laughs) garagey punk rock vibes. I'm also going to sling the best pizzas in Southern California to eager locals who it sells out at the snap of a finger. That's actually the cartoonish dream of a North Jersey punk. I would imagine (laughs) like if you had to write a cartoon about what we all wanted as a, as a kid, you're kind of living it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, when you put it like that, yeah, that's middle school me is very happy with that outcome. Now, growing up in Essex County, I, you know, West Orange and Verona, we actually uh, share a border. I grew up um, in the area of West Orange, just below the Eagle Rock Reservation. When you get up to the top of the Eagle Rock Reservation, it kind of butts up against Montclair and then Verona. So we have some real shared. DNA. I'm wondering, and this might be something you've covered in other outlets before. Are there specific North Jersey places that inspired your pizza? Um, Because everybody, uh, up to and including our own Don Finelli, have said you're nailing it. That it tastes like the taste of home. Are there specific spots you want to shout out that you grew up with where you're like, yeah, of course I'm thinking about this when I'm trying to bring Jersey to the West Coast? Um, I think I think Don mentioned Pizza Town. on the episode, if I'm remembering right. And that is one of the biggest ones. Like when I was little, my dad worked in Garfield and, uh, you know, so pizza night, he would just grab a pie from pizza town or, or whatever, maybe two pies on the way home. And he would actually, uh, have them not cut it so that when he got back to Verona, we could pop it in the oven, get a little reheat and then, uh, you know, serve. That was, a pizza that I kind of loved as a kid. And then I had a little time in my life where I had, didn't have it for a while cause he wasn't working there and it just, you know, kind of fell out of my memory. And then I rediscovered it a little later on. And it was like, I was old enough to drive and, and enjoy the late night aspect of it. And, uh, you know, just popping in to get a slice when I happened to be on 46 or whatever. So I would say as far as North Jersey places that have like a real direct influence um, I think Pizza Town is probably one of the top ones. And do you feel this pressure? Like, because we're obviously half doing a bit, half actually checking it out. When you meet other East Coast people, especially Jersey people who are coming and picking up pies, are they giving you shit? Or I would have to imagine a lot of them are just thanking you. Because I've been to LA a million times in my life due to due to my career, and the pizzas. You know, not to talk. I, Don has explained to me there's there's good stuff now. But when I first lived there, it was 2003, and it was by and large trash. But he's explained to me there's good stuff. But you're the one bringing that Jersey style that that people are missing. Are they giving you the business, or is it just is it just gratitude at this point from the Jersey people you're meeting? Um, I really feel like it's just gratitude. I mean, the Jersey people are, you know, not to play favorites. But they're my favorites that come through. It's always great to have New Yorkers and 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 all the surrounding areas. But um, I don't know what they would give you shit about. You know what I mean? Like just, I, I truly don't. Like just because we're, we we like to bust balls, I think we are so on the flip side, so appreciative as well as a New Jersey folk, like as much as we love to bust balls, we love to kind of lift people up and 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 hug them and thank them. Mm-hmm. And I, I can't imagine some Jersey person. I, I just, I mean, maybe I, I just can't, 
I can imagine like some Connecticut person coming in and being like, it's okay. You know, but I can't imagine <laughs> some like Jersey people. person coming in. Yeah, but what I was explaining to Chris is like the culture out here, the Southern California culture out here is a Hispanic, like it is taco, the, the food truck scene, the, you know, you in Jersey, you go pick up a slice from, you know, mm-hmm. less than 500 feet from you, you go into a place and you pick up a slice mm-hmm. here. It's a, here it's a, a taco burrito uh, street, you know, um, uh, goat and whatever the hell they have, <laughs> you know, long mm-hmm. lines of people waiting for uh, birria, and I don't know how to pronounce that. How do we pronounce it? Birria, birria. That yeah, the taco, the taco accompanying soup. Yes, it's it is. So you'll see long lines like that's the the quick kind of slice that they that folks down here pick up. So it's just yes. a different culture. There's really good like elevated kind of Neapolitan style pizza. You can get a really great slice. Not, you can't get a really great slice. That's the thing. It's like you can get a really great pie, which no one calls it out here. But you can get a really good pizza. Uh, you know, yeah. From yeah. a lot of you know, there's there's a couple places doing some good pizzas. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're grabbing that slice. That's the taste that we're getting uh, from Sean's slice. You know what I mean? From Sean's pizza, it's like oh, that's the slice. That individual slice taste. Uh, that that's what brings you back. And I described it as like all your favorite places kind of combined into one. Uh, that's that's a, uh, so there's a nostalgia attached to it, which is which I think is where the appreciative uh, nature comes in. My guess, my guess. Yeah, and it's funny you say nostalgia because the number one comment that I feel like or compliment that I'll get, um, it used to be in the DMS when I was, you know, hold away in, in my house kitchen and I didn't have a lot of face to face with people, but now, you know, in person, just, it doesn't matter if they're from some borough of New York city, Long Island, New Jersey, or even like Pennsylvania, Connecticut. Like there's a lot of people that are just coming through and they're just like, Oh man, this reminds me of home. This reminds me of like when I was a kid or whatever. And, um, you know, it's when I was making it before I was selling it, um, you know, especially in LA, you know, I made pizza, uh, before I moved here too, just, you know, in the home as a hobby. But, um, when I did it here, it was very much that feeling of like, Oh man, here it is. Like I'm finally getting to eat like what I miss. Uh-huh. And that's not to say I didn't find a few places. Um, like when I first moved here, one of the first things I did was find like chicken parm bagels and pizza that were all like, mm-hmm. you know, serviceable scratch the itch. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And, um, so yeah, I think that that nostalgia factor is definitely just like one of these like common ground things. And it's like, the people from Pennsylvania feel just as strongly about it and are just as excited as the people from New Jersey. So, mm-hmm. you know, for a long time, I didn't even reference, you know, like in the pizza world, this is called New York style. There's, you know, New Jersey style might mean it's something else. Um, but like, I only say New Jersey because I don't want to call it New York style being from New Jersey. It's <laughs> well, just, you know, yeah. you know how it is. Of course. <laughs> and, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I generally sort of avoid even that to an extent, just because it seems like there's this greater East coast population that all seems to be like, yeah, this is, this is for me. And mm-hmm. I'm like, sure. If this, if you think this is for you, this is for you. <laughs> like, Absolutely. Yeah. Now, we talked a lot about the pizza on our episode. We also had what I will say were some borderline manic rants from me about Verona. Uh, West borderline. Orange. Yeah. I'm wondering what you thought of those um, descriptions of Verona, Sean. And this next question is going to sound facetious, but it's not. And I think when you hear me ask it, you're going to understand. And Mike D, you'll have a lot to say about this one too. How would you say that growing up in the same town as a notorious abandoned mental hospital we all explored as kids has informed your present day status as a punk rocker slash pizza maker? For for full disclosure, uh, when we started putting this show together, Sean and I hopped on the phone to like you know just kind of chat at, for a couple of minutes, and I would say, correct me if I'm wrong, within 90 <laughs> seconds we were talking about the bin. Literally, like we were like, oh yeah, pizza, nice to meet you. Oh yeah, let's talk about that abandoned mental asylum <laughs> in Verona we used to explore. That was all it took. It was a, it, for a lot of people in Essex County, especially West Essex. 
and uh, West Orange, not quite in West Essex, but you could see that hilltop up there. That place, we all used to go break into it. It tied right in, I would say, you know, between between uh, punk rock music, which clearly we shared a love of, you know, the music and the culture. Um, I, I think it went right hand in hand with the punk rock part of being in New Jersey. Also, the weird New Jersey side of things, breaking into stuff. I want to know about your experience growing up with that. And I want to know specifically, how does that abandoned mental hospital on Fairview Avenue inform you as a pizza maker today? <laughs> I'm very proud of this. Great question. question. Yeah. Thank yeah. you so much. <laughs> I, um, one of my earliest memories of the mental hospital on Fairview Ave was, <laughs> it was directly next to the Verona community pool. Which if you grow up in Verona, you go to the pool in the summer because that's just what literally every single person does. And um, this wasn't a during the pool season. This was actually during like Little League baseball. And um, whoever my coach was had us doing a baseball practice in the parking lot of the pool. So at that time, um, some of the buildings that were directly adjacent to the pool, which were later like abandoned, even when the place was still in business, they were not abandoned. They were full of people. And I just remember being, you know, 10 years old playing, like not being able to catch a baseball very well. Um, and hearing a woman screaming at the top of her lungs, you're fat, you're fat, you're really fat. And I was, and I will never forget it because it was like, you know, you would see these buildings and you would drive by these buildings. And I mean, they were very intriguing. I don't know what, else, what other word, they just looked interesting. And you're like, I want to know more because half of them looked abandoned, even when it was like the nineties. And then, like, as it got into the 2000s, which is when I first started to um, explore them a bit more, most of them were abandoned. And, um, you know, it was funny because I, uh, I went to William Patterson University in, uh, in North Jersey for music. And um, while I was there, I was, like, uh, taking some photography classes, and I would, of course, just, you know, go to Overbrook and take a bunch of pictures because it was what was interesting. I actually have, um, I should get it get, get it to show you guys, I have this clock that I found on the ground, not at, not on Fairview Ave, but up the, up on the, the hilltop. Was that, no, the hilltop was, that was the hilltop, that was the real good See, part. I missed the hill. I didn't really know about the hilltop, know about it until it was too late and everything was like knocked down. Like I had heard of it, but I thought everyone was just talking about the thing I knew about on Fairview Ave. And by the time I got up the hill, it was like a park, you know, it was like, what, what, what was the park. difference? What was so the difference Don, for someone so that doesn't know? Fairview Ave is kind of off route 23. Uh-huh. Like Fairview, Ave's, I know the area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. So, and Fairview Ave's like a main road. Like the, mm-hmm. I think the high, I think Verona High School is also on Fairview Ave, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the pool, but then the other side of it has long just been these big sort of gothic looking. Like they look like something out of like Batman, like Arkham Asylum. Like you drive by me, like is that a mental hospital? Like it very clearly looks. <laughs> like, and then that's at the bottom of a hill. And if you went to the top of that hill, that was when Mike D and I were in high school in the nineties. Um, I would say one of the absolute formative aspects of our high school experience was going up there. And I used to hear about it from Mike when Mike was just like my older brother's friend, my older brother would be like, oh, our friends went up there and got chased out by skinheads. So it was kind of like, <laughs> it was abandoned earlier. I think that it used to be also, that used to also be like a tuberculosis hospital. So they put it the at one the one up on the mountain. Gotcha. Yeah. So they separate out. Uh-huh. Well, yeah. it was the idea was it's the highest point in Essex County, and the idea was oh, you get people up there with lung good problems air. and they get good air. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, um, that makes sense. And yeah, it was abandoned up there. There was like an abandoned chapel. There was a building that had the words "Welcome to Hell" spray painted on. That's the steps. still there, actually. The, the welcome, welcome to Hell building. I, well, it's not the building, but like the the cement that has "Welcome to Hell" on it. I think was not destroyed it was like part of a wall or something uh, i believe it's still there i could be wrong about that i would love it if they turned it into a park and left it there so yeah the, the stuff <laughs> i could also on, see like jersey demolition guys be like we're gonna leave that <laughs> of course of course this stuff on fairview ave just lasted longer too the stuff on the hilltop was already abandoned in the 90s and fairview ave was kind of like one by one the buildings went 
Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you'd start to see like boarded up, like every third building boarded up. And then it was pretty much just the one entire side of the avenue. And I think there were a few hospital mm-hmm. buildings on the other side that stayed open longest, but now yeah. it's totally closed, I believe. Yeah, yeah, it's gone. Uh, but it was, I mean, sneaking up there, going into the tunnels underneath it, it was just like a real rite of passage. And if you were any sort of kid who had a screw loose emotionally, you probably went and fucked around up there for some reason at some point. (laughs) It just had such a draw to it. Like, I mean, even before I ever set foot in it, if I was passing by it, there was no way I wasn't just like looking as hard as I could at the buildings, just trying to like, I don't know. They just had this presence to them. Well, there was, I think even like that presence physically, right? They're sitting at the top of which is, I mean, it was like a hill when you were there, but it was ultimately the top of a mountain, right? Because you get down into Verona, West Orange, or in a valley, so you have this thing sitting at the top. It's like the like the Marsden House in Salem's Lot, like wherever you are in the area, this vaguely evil thing is within view, attracting teenagers, and everyone is whispering about it. Um, so you, it was almost unavoidable if you had any curiosity. Yeah, that is true. And you did see it, like, if you were in Cedar Grove, like, coming down one of the other mountains, like, you would see the next mountain over and be like, oh, look, there's all those buildings. And I mean, it was like a whole town. Like, apparently back in the 50s, they had, like, a farm and their own power plant. Their own train station. There were trains that stopped there. they had it all. (laughs) They had it all, baby. I don't know how things fell apart up there at the old mental hospital. It sounds like this is the opposite of, like, a makeout point where, like, you know what I mean? Where maybe yeah. Eagle Rock was like your makeout point, but yeah, like this seems like too. when I was a kid, my school bus used to go up Eagle Rock Avenue, which goes West Orange is built on the two mountains. And when you mm-hmm. come up the first one, you would look up to the crest of the second one, and you'd you'd see those buildings. So when I first started hearing about it, I was like, oh, I've been looking at those my whole life. I didn't know that they were these evil, creepy buildings. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, Eagle Rock Reservation was a makeout point. Mm-hmm. Um, that that was clear. I've been there before. I was like, this this feels like prime makeup point. But which the I, fucking I, abandoned mental hospital seems like <laughs> I'm going to lose my like. There's a reason why people fucking lost their minds here, and I'm going to join the party real quick. I gotta say too, since you brought it up, Don, look, the Eagle Rock Reservation was always known for its view of the New York City skyline, mm-hmm. and they have a very nice, very classy 9/11 memorial there, yep. and that's a beautiful thing, and mm-hmm. certainly never forget. And there are a lot of people in the area who lost loved ones, so I'm not I'm not trying to be too facetious when I say. Is there a part of me that simultaneously is like, that's kind of a boner killer to make New North, you know, Essex right. County's number right. one makeout point a nine eleven memorial? Was it a subtle um, way? Was that to an stop. intentional? Was yeah. that an intentional choice to stop teens from fucking as uh-huh. well? Because kind of hard to feel romantic at the nine eleven. Not a better memorial. contraception than putting nine eleven in front of two and fucking tw- teens that are about to you know blow each other. Yeah, absolutely. And twice a day at that memorial, it sprays out saltpeter in a twelve foot radius <laughs> at anyone who's near it, just, just to, to, to emphasize why it's there. Absolutely. absolutely, Sean. How did you feel about my description of Verona kids? Do you feel that it was accurate and fair? from the West Orange perspective. I also want to know your perspective of West Orange people. Hmm. Okay. So your, your uh, description of Verona kids from an outside perspective was just, I, I found it a very amusing part of the show. Okay. I don't, let's talk about I, this. If I, I can know. sum it up. My, what I remember basically saying was like Verona kids generally seemed like nicer kids than West Orange kids across the board. But if they were fucked up, they were going to be fucked up. Like they were going to have weird drugs no one had ever heard of before. Like, or like, I feel like a, like a West Orange kid, there might just be like a true actual scumbag. A Verona kid is the type of kid I feel like who winds up like running a pyramid scheme amongst students at the high school and then teachers wind up losing money in it like i feel like that's a verona way to get in trouble it's like a little smarter and classier but it can still get dark fast i don't know if you feel like this is true and i'd love to be corrected on this um i you know i i feel like i i don't have a good um i don't have a good something to contribute on the classiness of verona kids being fucked up i do think that the small townness um so Ver- Verona, one to two square miles. My high school was like 500-ish kids. West Orange in my head, it's like a much bigger town. You know, it's like 
It's like bigger 400 borders. kids per class in the high school. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the high school was, you know, like definitely closer to closer to 2,000 than 1,000 kids in my head. I don't know if that's true. Um, so I always just thought of West Orange kids as just a little bit more like, um, like it's just a bigger town, you know? So it seemed like, um, I don't even know what goes with that, but it's just sort of like, there's a little more anonymity, I think, involved. Like in Verona, everyone knows everyone. Someone came into the shop, the pizza shop last weekend, bought a pizza. He was like, oh, I'm from uh, Glen Ridge. I was like, oh, cool. And he was like, yeah, my cousins are from Verona. I was like, well, if they're anywhere near my age, I probably know them. And he names his cousins. I'm like, yeah, the the his the older one of the two cousins. Uh, my first electric guitar that I ever bought, I sold to that guy, and we played in the <laughs> drum. You know, we, we played drums together in band in school since like middle school and high school. And you know, now he's in uh, Vermont in, in law enforcement. <laughs> That's like his. I, his I think I'm gonna be with Sean on this one too, because growing up in Riverridge is such a small town. So I was like, think like when I would think of Hackensack and Teaneck and like people like that, like oh, those those those, you know. You can run them up, but you just know that small town feel. I think you're right, Gethard. There might be like just some like more like not sketchier, but like smarter. Like the kids that got in trouble, like were for like yeah more elaborate things. I would say like the cheating or like, like some sort like- of like cheating on exam. Pat, you know, paying for answers thing is maybe. I feel along like along the lines, a Verona like kid could get yes. on fire. A Verona kid, my impression is like a Verona kid might get in trouble in a way that's so smart that they get hired by a firm <laughs> for what they did to get in trouble. Like a Verona kid's going to get, they have a, they're still. They get in pet, trouble and it's going to be in the paper maybe. This, but like not, and in a bad way, but also in kind of like there's a genius among us way, like that hacker, <laughs> like a hacker. Like West Orange is big enough and it's spread out enough and there's a lot of economic disparity. There's kids who don't think they have a future. And I think, in, all jokes aside, I think in Verona, like, it's a really nice town. And my sense is those kids believed in a future. Um, yeah. They believed in that as a possibility. That's right. West Orange kids definitely, there were definitely some kids and some sections of town. And I, can, I feel like I could say this because I grew up in these sections of town in my earliest years where it's like some of those kids were just fucked up because they didn't think that the teachers thought of them as having a future and it would get so dark so fast. And that is a difference between the two towns, I would say. It's that, like, that's a big difference. Yeah, a big difference. Really it's is. funny. I'm going to bring up a name, uh, someone close in age. I'm not sure. I'm 42. I don't know how old you are, Sean. Um, yeah, I'm 39 now. I'm going to bring up a name of someone who you will definitely know then because he was – a Verona kid who had West Orange roots, he used to hang out with us and he was a maniac, but in a really lovely way. But he was like a psycho and I'm still friends with him. So he won't mind me saying it. He's calmed down a lot. But when he was a kid, true character, this kid, Matt Bowman, did you know Bowman? I don't recognize that name. That's shocking. So he was a Verona. He lived in Verona. He lived in Verona. Carson's giving me the thumbs up, right? I'm not wrong on that. Right, Carson? He's and he Verona went to like kid. Verona High. Yeah, I believe so. But he hung out in West Orange all the time. He didn't really hang out with Verona kids. He'd always come slum it with us. And he ran a backyard wrestling league in his backyard in Verona that we'd all go. And my friends would like send each other to the hospital. Carson is saying he has a brother, Jesse. Yeah, Jesse Bowman was his brother. It's it's a vaguely... And, and so my brother, my older brother is your age. So I would imagine that like if this... Uh, if Matt Bowman was like... Same Matt, age. Matt's probably 41 or 40. Yeah, so he would be right between us. So usually most of that, that's like my most familiar age just because like mm-hmm. all the people that Damn. have my brother. I brought up the wow. one Verona person you don't know. <laughs> I know. It does happen. It does happen. Um, but like, yeah, my memory is pretty good on these things. So I'm kind of shocked that I don't remember this <laughs> that's, fair. that's fair. Man of mystery, Matt Bowman. Bowman seems like a ghost. Yeah. So you have a clock you found at the old hospital. Oh yeah, you want me to go grab it? I show it on the yes, video. One hundred percent. Although, and I'm scared that my, I'm scared that all of our computers will get viruses and be haunted. <laughs> yeah, we'll vamp. Right, Don't worry. Coming back. <laughs> Why would there be a clock? So, so they destroy. They they knocked all this shit down by now. Is or is there now still it's, it's, 
it's okay. gone now, but when we first started going there, Don, which I think Chris and I figured out was like was around 92, 93. I first the went actual, around like 95, 96 because you guys okay. were older. Yeah, because I'm a little older. The entire, at that point, actual hospital buildings, like think of you know Meridian or something, they were still there and Got intact. It. I mean, they were dinged up with graffiti and kids uh-huh. messed stuff up, but it was almost like people locked the door and just walked away. Like they weren't cleaned out. So the yeah. places were filled with everything from doctor's case files, medical equipment. There was entire dental offices that still had the chairs and everything in them. So it was pretty wild. So yeah, you could run a muck in there and grab some stuff. And Sean, you grab, and I think if you're not back. Sean stepped away again. But yeah, like Don, I went to the bin and found an old filing cabinet and opened it up and just took tons of old nurses' louds home with me. Like they were all just still sitting there. It's it's like real, yeah, yeah. This sounds like sleep no more. You know what I mean? If you ever were in New York, you could just go around and just go into rooms and just open up files and you're like, okay, I guess this is like a Shakespeare story loosely, but yeah, that's that's pretty fucking dope. (laughs) The first time I wore a straight jacket was one that I found. (laughs) That was it. the first time you wore a street. <laughs> so everybody, this first isn't morgue you were ever in. <laughs> exactly. Also you did get Mike. Mike the morgue was gone by the time I was there, but I think you saw Ooh. the morgue in the chapel, yeah, right? Those morgue. were both gone by the, time. the morgue in the chapel. The morgue. Nothing was very scarier than those two things that are abandoned. Jesus, I've got a good scary abandoned one from on Fairview Ave before it was um, fully abandoned. I went in there. A I think twice with this guy who was like, he was like a Verona town historian. So he had like keys to get into uh, the Essex County hospital center. And I had just like, I've been trying to reach out just to get more access to different people. And uh, so he takes me in and he's showing me around and giving me all these like historical facts. And we go into a part of the hospital that still had electricity. And so the lights are on but it's like clearly very abandoned. <laughs> and I go into this one room and there was like um, one of those x-ray light boxes with someone's x-rays still up on it with the lights. Jesus Christ. <laughs> and I was just like, that was, that was one of the freakier things to see. Because you're like, did a monster come and everyone ran away? Yeah. You know, it's like, it why is this shit still out? Like, why couldn't they clean a little bit? <laughs> Is the yeah. question. They just got up and walked away. How bad did you want to take those x-ray things when that guy wasn't looking? Um, I, he probably would have been fine with it. He was like, Here, take this, take this. Like, he was basically like, preserve anything you want. And um, I actually had a couple um, like old artifacts that I, I don't believe made it with me when I moved here that were like some nurses, like handwritten logs from like the 40s and like, I've got some of those too. Yeah. 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 And, and all I've got here, I, I've got a little uh, show and tell here. Um, nice. Some signage, a little oh, New Jersey yeah. sign. This was for like a wall calendar that you could like, I think that's what it was for. Cause I it got the Essex County. These are from the bin. These are from the bin. Wow. This is what I think it was from, from a uh, calendar because so Sean is showing us very big signs that say Yom Kippur birthday Essex, Essex County New Jersey like these are ca- large calendars maybe what like two feet they're uh, like um call it like a foot and a half wide yeah. and then like maybe oh three goodness. inches uh tall so that birthday and, one would be like if a patient's birthday was there they'd probably put that sign up with their name under it. I have one that says Mother's Day somewhere, but I, I didn't find it easily. Oh, that's so sad. Oh, sad. It's away, mental man. Hospital. Shit, man. <laughs> that's so sad. <sighs> now, this clock. Oh, oh my God. It's so cool. I found this up on the um, the hilltop. So this was part of like the mountain, uh, the Essex Mountain buildings. But this was like, like I said, I was never up there until everything had been destroyed. So I was just walking in the woods and you would find like, you would be, I remember being in the snow up there and I found like a dozen singer sewing machines, like the old ones. Like they look like they're They're probably worth money, man. (laughs) (laughs) But this was funny because I found this and I remember um, you'll, you'll notice it's kind of in two pieces. Mm Mm-hmm. 
there's this small piece that's broken of this. This is like a, a plastic clock that's just been like melted by fire and is just dirty. Yeah, to I describe only, it, it's like it, it's kind of the numbers look like the Felix the cat. Yeah. Oh, that's clock, a great description, yeah. right? Yeah. That's kind of what the numbers look like, and it looks as like a, it's completely melted and burned. And Sean has put a little the side, like the seven, eight, nine has kind of been. Wait, have you glued it back together? Yeah, it's it's held on the back by glue and popsicle sticks just yeah, to like hold perfect. it together. Yep. But I when when I first found this, I only took the big piece, and uh, I don't think or no, I didn't take any of it. I left it there because I was like, I don't want to take this. And then I was like kicking myself because I didn't take it. So I went back there and I found both pieces when I went back. And that was the uh, yeah. That's awesome. And will that will that be kept in your home for safekeeping, or are you going to hang this that is... in the shop? Now that you have a physical shop, is this going to become decor in the same way that an Applebee's might have local Great high idea, football pick team pictures? <laughs> the, the Essex County, New Jersey, uh, might go up in the shop. I also have a circa two thousand era um, path train poster that says no eating or drinking in my home that might go to the shop. That's, yes. It was the blue ones and they yeah. were going to turn it to the green ones. And I was like, I got to get one of these blue ones. So I actually have two of these posters from that era. There's a good picture of me at like age 18 with like a winter coat where one of my arms is just a rolled up path train poster. <laughs> <laughs> Truly a kindred spirit. Truly a kindred spirit. I love it. I love it. I mean, if you hang up Essex County, New Jersey signs that were stolen from an abandoned hospital in your renegade pizza shop, it truly is. They they might as well just let you vote in New Jersey elections at that point. Like you're at that point are just running like a satellite piece of New Jersey in Los Angeles. <laughs> yeah, that building so, is just part of Essex County. Joe is, Joey DiVincenzo is like yeah. presiding over it. <laughs> Joe D gets to come in and tell you if you can fix your curbs or not. Imagine, uh, imagine we we had a TV show, and obviously I don't work in entertainment, but I believe you call it a pitch. The pitch for the TV show is that a bunch of kids from New Jersey discover an abandoned mental asylum that has a working kitchen, and they start making pizzas from this working kitchen in the abandoned ah. mental asylum. <laughs> this pizza is so good, it's crazy. <laughs> mental pizza. <laughs> Um, I love it, Sean. I love knowing that we were probably at some of the same shows. I love knowing that if you ever went through a comic book or Magic the Gathering phase that we've both set foot in Time Warp Comics. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love knowing that there's... It's funny, too, because I was trying to think... I was trying to think in my head, like, what's the... Is there, like, a Verona pizza place? I'm not surprised to hear that you point it towards a place all the way out in Bergen County because I'm sitting there, I'm going, was it Famous Rays? But that Famous Rays in Verona, like that was never, re that was never regarded as like a great Jersey spot. But I, I think that might be I ate a lot there. of it. I ate I a ate ton a lot of it of and it. I missed that White um, Castle that was right there too. I was heartbroken when that White <laughs> Castle went away, believe me. But yeah. the Famous Rays was trying to be a New York thing. It right. Felt. It was super heavy and mm -hmm. it was like, it was, it was the place you went with your friends when you were 15 and you like, ate as many slices as you can, even though it was really like cheesy and kind of heavy, but it was just sort of like, I don't know. <laughs> Is that the place that you're coming right out of like uh, Montclair, like driving yeah, up? Yeah, up yeah, 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 I know. It's, yep. still it's still there, right? It's still there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. amazing that it's still there. I like, yeah. I like knowing that, uh, you know, I saw so many movies at the, uh, at Cinema the, 23? At the Cinema 23 right there. I know, I like knowing that you and I have both probably had tense nights where fights almost broke out at the Pilgrim Diner. Like, there's a lot of shared stuff. You mm -hmm. also, did you guys do Monk's Castle growing up too? Did you know about Monk's Castle? Monk's Castle. Uh, is that like, um, that's not Kips, is it? Is it Kips, yeah. Yeah, you knew it as Monk's Castle being a little older, but I think okay. Kips Castle, it, I think they had rebranded it. I think the town was trying to get ahead of all the legends and, and really pushing Kips Castle. Yeah, I didn't know about that too. until later, too, when they had kind of like, I guess, freshened it up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Used to go up there and get the monks mad. They'd chase you out. There were monks up there. <laughs> monks oh, they once right, chased yeah, Mike D's brother out that. with Doberman Pinchers. Wow. <laughs> And then after you ran, they let loose the dogs. Drive, you could run across the street to Famous Rays and fuel up on a slice <laughs> directly across the street. Sean, you just started making uh, square slices. Is that is that what you're exper experimenting with now? 
I am. And um, I don't think Pat Byrne would ever forgive me if I didn't kind of give you a little shit, Don. Uh-huh. Because oh, you wow. were calling it deep dish on the last episode. I know, I know, I know. And he was, I know. He, he was like, this guy's from Jersey. What's he doing? I know. Because I, I never ate that shit. I truly just <laughs> never ha- I truly, I'm not, grandma's, whatever the fuck you want to call it. Never <laughs> yeah, had no, a grandma. Actually, that's, that's a good question. Do you guys think there's a difference between a Sicilian and a grandma? Yeah. Or is it the same thing? What's the difference? I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll, go ahead, Chris, and I'll yeah, give you yeah. my. I would say that in general, my experience a sicilian is a little thicker and doughier um a grandma's like thicker than a normal slice but it's what's the difference Mm -hmm. it's got a little more sauce a little less cheese and is maybe a little greasier if you ask me yeah that's a good yeah that's a great description sicilian uh, is the thick slice like what you get at spumoni garden to me the differentiator of a grandma slice is the only cheese is a little bit of Parmesan sprinkled on. And it was basically like grandma slices, no cheese. That's mm. what, that's what I, exactly what I was going to say. I thought it would be like Pecorino yeah. right on there. You just, there's no, yeah, when I grew up, there was no, there was, I never really had it. It was never really in the places I went to. I always just had the thin slice. And that was you know, the difference out here. Like I'll, I'll shut up prime pizza out here. They're a little mm-hmm. chain, but mm-hmm. they got great. Like, yeah grandma slice but their their difference is like their sicilian slice has a little like pest like a little pesto kind of ew slice. no dude i'm ew. telling you don no, dude do not do not fucking knock pesto it, man. on your sicilian pizza on our it's basil podcast. you chooch it's basil it's fucking basil <laughs> It's the fucking Italian it's basil you chooch is yeah. maybe the most New Jersey thing you've ever Come said on, to man. me. In the no, I just never had show. it. Yeah, deep day. Listen, that I 100% please give me shit. I just uh, like knowing that Pat Byrne apparently said Don Finelli can fuck off and die. I can't 100%. believe Pat's such a nice guy. I can't believe he said that. <laughs> I, I know, I, it's shocking. I, I accept it. I accept it. Uh, but no, yeah, no, no, no. I agree. I agree that the Sicilian would be the thickest. The grandma's kind of the in-between. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like grandma... Grandma pies were this thing that I were not on my radar, and then suddenly yes. it was everywhere. In my twenties, in my twenties, all of a sudden, everybody's talking about the grandma pie. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. So what I'm doing um, is is heavily inspired by the the LMB Spumoni Gardens. There's a few spots in New Jersey that I love that do the sauce on top Sicilian style, mm-hmm. and. Um, the guy who I bought the pans from, you'll love this. He grew up in like Maplewood, Newark, that area. And he's he's an older dude. He's been living in Reno, running a pizza shop there, doing like just very Jersey pies. Um, and he's, he's actually retiring now. But he... Um, Took it on himself. So there's a there's a company that was in the Bronx. They went out of business in 2020, and they made the the Sicilian pans that we know growing up. Like wow. you see those Sicilian pans, also those like silver dough cans that like mm-hmm. just you see stacks of. Mm-hmm. This company made that stuff. When they went out of business, there were like no real Sicilian pans anymore because it's made from steel instead of aluminum. It's made mm-hmm. from a heavier steel, and they like they're just formed a certain way. And this guy, uh, Walter out in Reno, uh, Jersey transplant took it on himself to find a metal worker that could like replicate these old Sicilian pants. <laughs> like, like we reverse engineered them. He gave him one of the originals to like destroy just to make new ones. Wow. So I bought a bunch of those the sacrificial pants. <laughs> sacrificial- <laughs> oh my God. That's amazing. How many yeah, did so- you buy? Uh, well, I, I bought one to start with and uh-huh. was like, let me just kind of get a feel for this. And yeah. then um, I just bought uh, eight more. So I'm I'm just building it up slowly because they come raw steel. Yeah. You have, you have, you have, you to, have to season, season them. them yeah. And yeah. then bake on them. Right, and right. then eventually they become very nonstick and very good. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm just I'm working with a small uh, group of them now, but I'm getting getting to that point where I'm figuring it out you know, figure out what temperature to bake at and all that stuff. And uh, So if this company closed, does this mean that moving forward as pizza places go out of business or if something get, if their pans get destroyed somehow, overused, cleaned improperly, are we going to start seeing a future where you can't get a good Sicilian pie as we know it because this pan company is gone? This is 
breaking news here on New Jersey City. <laughs> um, I think the good news is these pans are probably not going to die. I think they're pretty bulletproof. They're just like big hunks of steel. And I don't think the worry is that they're going to die. But I do think that you're going to see anytime a pizza place goes out of business, somebody who's like someone who knows someone who knows someone is going to buy them all up. And I'm not ever getting any of those original pans because there's a line of you know, old school pizza makers who want them more than me, who have been in the business longer than me. So I'm just grateful that someone's making them new so I can get something. The only, the only sad thing is to me, I like the rectangle, you know, 12 inch by 18 inch. Um, Currently out of Reno, they're just doing the 12 inch square. So it's like truly just a, a one foot by one foot square, still a delicious pizza. It's just a different shape. Yeah, there's there's the nostalgia factor of like walking into a place and seeing that whole fucking rectangle. Yeah. <laughs> or or the sixteen inch square, the big squares the like big guys in Jersey yeah. City and some of those places. But mm-hmm. you know. I'm uh I'm less concerned about how many inches by how many inches the pizza is and more concerned that it tastes good. So I have one more question about that. Do you do you are you writing shit down while you're iterating stuff? Are you or are you just keeping everything in your head? Or do oh, you like write do down both. like, all right, so this time I did this and you know, I put this much in and so um when I got the shop, I finally uh started like a Google spreadsheet to keep track of like every single time I make dough and uh-huh. keep track of like temperatures and yeah, times yeah. and stuff that like I used to do more in my head. Um, but when it comes to like the other day, I made a bunch of test pies, just square pies, just to like work on the oven and figure things out. I did not write anything down because I just kind of keep it in my head. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Yeah. I was the same way. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. That's awesome. I love it. I love this combo. Next time Don comes in, Sean, you got to say, cause I'm telling you this guy, you want to talk about a dude who's endlessly cooking Jersey shit at home in LA. Don's a secret weapon and you two would be fast friends. Yeah. I thank you for speaking with us. You've successfully defended jalapenos as a, <laughs> a business choice that is actually tolerable and a pleasant surprise. I'll, uh, uh, a fair answer. We've talked about the mental asylum. You've showed us a clock face. Mike Dia, I'm sure as a fa- as a font nerd, you must have loved what you were seeing on that clock face. I did and I was trying to think in my head what that font is actually and i i couldn't it's something like um like bolichero or something like but anyway one of those like it's actually probably like a one-off font for that very beautiful like art deco all the filled in descenders like great clock font sean i'm sure we could spend a whole lot of time talking about places like skaters world and different vfw halls and Mm -hmm. all sorts of firehouse (laughs) no oh the wayne firehouse i was once uh at the, I was once at a Weston show at the Wayne Firehouse where a person who has appeared on our podcast, who shall remain unnamed, had the dreaded peeing at a urinal, thought it was a fart, pooped his pants in a bathroom at the Wayne Firehouse. So, More than he one. bargained for. Oh, that was the, the, the fart that the fart that was never a fart snuck right up on him at a Weston show at the Wayne Firehouse. Um, Brutal. All sorts of stuff we could sit and talk about. But main point being, I'm not going to, you could hear it in my voice. I had some trepidation. Who's this guy in LA trying to claim Jersey, fly the Jersey flag. But I think you've successfully proven that you are, you are uh, truly cut from the Jersey cloth. You should fly that flag with pride. I hope any East coast transplant out there supports your business. I hope that you manage. I hope it's such a rousing success that you can have a trusted employee so that you can still go out, play punk rock tunes on any weekend your heart desires. And may you live the middle school dream for many, many years longer because it's really awesome what you've pulled off. Well Thanks, done. Chris. Thank well you done. guys. I really appreciate it. Thanks for doing this. Yeah. Yeah. I can't wait to come out to LA on my next trip and actually try the pizza. Yeah. Yeah. Let me know, please. Anytime. Thank you for listening to this presentation of New Jersey is the World. New Jersey is the World is Chris Gethard, Nikki Bonaduce, Don Finelli, Andrea Quinn, Carson Kopp, and Mike D. New Jersey is the World is produced and edited by Carson Kopp, Mike D, and Andrea Quinn. You can find us online at New Jersey is the World. 
and on Instagram at New Jersey is the world. Also, please feel free to reach out and leave us a voicemail by contacting the home office of New Jersey is the world at 973-780-4660 in regards to anything show or New Jersey related. Please subscribe and listen to more episodes of New Jersey is the world on your favorite podcast service. If you're looking to join our extremely opinionated and Jersey-ish community, head on over to Patreon.com and search for New Jersey is the world. We have merch, which you can find at BelowTheCollar.com after searching for Chris Gethard. Once again, thank you for listening to this presentation of New Jersey is the world. New Jersey is the world, where New Jersey is the world.